And it is these kinds of weekends that the Lord will use to get you firing on all cylinders. You know what I mean by that? Firing on all. Have you ever been in a vehicle before that was not firing on all cylinders and you wondered, can I keep going like this? And you know, you won't forget it. I had a, a dirt bike one time that was having a problem, and it's a, that thing is supposed to fly through the fields and the track, and um, something started going wrong with one of the cylinders. You don't have a lot to work on with those. And it was more, instead of this, it was, and I thought, I'm not going to be able to perform. I wasn't a performer, maybe a wannabe, uh, but I'm not going to be able to perform on this thing. And this is... For many of you, this, this kind of a week, and I think for all of us, it's an opportunity for us to remember the power that God has put in us and to rev our engines a little more than we have been maybe recently. And you know, some of you, your personalities, your, this isn't my message and I have to get to this teaching here in a few moments, but I just was thinking about these things. Some of you personality-wise, well, I'm not a rev it the engine kind of a person but when you realize, you remember when you first got your license and you got behind the wheel and, you know, this thing, me behind this wheel, and the power of the Spirit inside of you rev that engine, it, press it a little harder today. Today, the day is going to be over in about, your Elam day anyway, is going to be over in about, what, 13 hours? Well, sometimes... Depending on sometimes what happens Saturday night, 14 hours from now, maybe 15, we'll see. Because of what happens, the freedom, even after the close of the service. And today's an opportunity for you to rev that engine. Don't worry if somebody spins out of control a little bit, you know. The Lord has given us good leaders and shepherds and RAs that can go up and say, uh, come on over here for a minute. You, you know, we're a little out of control, but I think it'd be better to be a little bit out of control in reserve and dignity than to, uh, than to miss out on finding out what God has put in you. So rev that engine a little bit today. In the worship, if you just, something inside of you says, I'm tired of thinking about what other people think about me. I'm tired of thinking about people's eyes behind me. And what if I step out of my aisle and I want to lay before the Lord? I want to dance before the Lord. I feel like I'm going to bawl my eyes out. Who cares about that? Just do. You just let it go this weekend. This is an opportunity for you. The Lord will tune you up. He uses these kinds of weekends to get you firing on all kinds. I feel like I'm, I'm done preaching already. I'm excited. I'm so thankful for this kind of moment in your experience where you're at in life right now. I feel so blessed to just look at you and know you're here. And I thank God for it. We trust you, Lord, for this morning, for the word, and for this time of baptism in water and then in the spirit and then a time of freedom, Lord, breaking free and being delivered of chains and bondages tonight, Lord. We trust you for that and thank you for this uh, just that we can sit under the teaching and be saturated in your word and in your presence. Lord, thank you for Pastor Mike and all that he's pouring in this weekend, um, pouring into the students, and we bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you are thankful for having so much of Pastor Mike this weekend? Isn't that great? Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, okay, there's a note guide for you. There's an important question. Will I obey Jesus and enter the waters of baptism? 
Will I obey Jesus and do that? Today is your opportunity to do it. Would you turn with me to Acts chapter 8, 26 to 39? The story of Philip and the Ethiopian. Really, you could translate is that from the kingdom of Cush, a Cushite. You could really just translate that Philip and the African. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, and I'm reading from the, the scriptures in there I think are primarily, I normally note that, most of them are from the NIV. Uh, might be an NASB in there, but it's the word, so. Uh, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. By the way, he was, what that means is he was going to the beach, that's what he was doing, uh, on his way to Africa. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, or Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And from what immediately follows Philip's explanation of the gospel, we find out some of what he instructed the eunuch in about becoming a believer. And we have it here in verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And you get, he was going to the beach, and he didn't want to just wait until he was to the beautiful shore of the Mediterranean Sea there. He saw water along their way, and there was such an urgency inside of him. He said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Verse 38, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water... The Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. It would be so awesome if the Spirit of the Lord would take all of us away at the end of the baptism service. Not sure if he's going to do that today, but we're going to give him an opportunity to do whatever he wants to do in our midst. Okay, so what can stand in the way of your being baptized? There are actually several things, at least, that can stand in the way. The first thing is a lack of understanding about the importance of baptism, and we'll talk about that. The second one is your ideals about what your baptism experience should be like that could stand in the way. And the third one is a lack of commitment to the Lord. And many of you in this weekend, you know this is a weekend for the Lord to, to respond to the Lord and surrender to the Lord in full commitment, a full dedication 
to the Lord. And that's one God is working on uh, deeply in many of your hearts. And so ideals are one of the things that stand in the way of people's obedience to the Lord in something like baptism. What do I mean by ideals? Maybe something like this. You know, Saturday morning in the middle of the semester, I'm tired and I'm in a building and like, I don't know, this just isn't what I was picturing for this important moment. I was picturing like being at the Jordan River in Israel and having people in white robes around me and the pastor looks just like Jesus and in that moment, I would be baptized. That would be an ideal. Uh, I'm not sure if you carry that high of an ideal of your baptism experience. But there are many other kinds of ideals. Through the years, I have done a number of baptisms that were designed, and I was excited about it. I, they were designed around having an ideal, picturesque setting out in nature. And I am telling you, without fail, Every single one of those ideal moments, nature surprised us and made it less than ideal. One time, we had a beach baptism at the oceanfront in Virginia Beach, and just as I, uh, it was with my family, and just as I went to baptize my sister in the water, a gigantic wave, ocean wave, crashed us and smashed over my sister in what is supposed to be a beautiful spiritual moment, and instead was suds and sand in her face and her mouth. You should see the picture that uh, some a family member took. At the very moment, the wave was coming at her face. It's an incredible picture. Another time, we were in a secret pool, a secret deep pool of water high up in the hills south of Lima for a baptism. And as I dunked the baptizee into the water, the water was probably 50 degrees Fahrenheit or lower, and the total shock of the cold came over the person. And we came up out of the water, and he went, <gasps> not because of the Holy Spirit, but because of the total shock of the cold water. And one more that I remember as an ideal that I designed, we were going to be in a saltwater bay on the eastern shore of Delaware, right by the ocean. And we were not going to do the ocean because I didn't want people in our church to get smashed by waves. And so we were in the bay, and there was a torrential thunderstorm all morning long. And when it finally ended, we got into the bay, and the storm wash from the roads coming into the bay kept sending jellyfish all over uh, around our lakes. And so every time something, there's crowds of families and things standing on the, the edge. And every time a person would come, I would have to stop them for a moment and splash jellyfish. So I'm telling you all of that to say, this is ideal. <laughs> Your friends are here. We're worshiping the Lord. We're on ground territory that has been claimed and dedicated to God. This piece of dirt that we are on, on this hill here, has been dedicated to God for how many years now? Since 1832? 1832? When this campus was first built by the Wesleyans before Elam was here. And that's a heated tank of water there. You will feel, those of you that the Lord is calling to be baptized today, this is ideal. And so I want to challenge you to take on the attitude and the perspective of the Ethiopian in verse 36. Look, here it is. Everything I need, here's water. Another obstacle that people have is proper biblical understanding and teaching. And my primary call today 
and responsibility is to lay before you some teaching about the importance of baptism. And, and we'll get right in now to there's six things I have for you. And I promise that each of them will be well under 10 minutes, way under 10 minutes each uh, about this. Okay, number one, baptism is a public witness. When you get baptized, for many believers, it is their first, may not be for you, but it is for many believers their first point of being a witness for the Lord Jesus. You know, your faith is not meant to be a private thing that you keep to yourself. It's not, in our day and age, you're supposed to keep religion and politics private, and there isn't one thing in the Bible that tells us you should be quiet about your faith. That's ridiculous. I think all of you know that that's absurd. It is not a private thing, and for many people, baptism begins them, helps them enter into not just their life of faith, but a life of witnessing for Jesus. And I believe that for some of you today, being baptized, obeying the Lord, and following Jesus' command to be baptized is going to be a help for you, and it's an opportunity for you to step away from this privatized, self-conscious inner world of faith that you have not been able to break out of. It may not take care of everything, but I believe that God will use it to help you break out of that pattern of keeping your faith just to yourself. And so it's a witness. It is the biblical way to launch into a life of faith. In the book of Acts, there are 27 accounts of people being baptized, and every one of them came after someone was saved. And it helps us right from the start say, this is not just about me, not my thing. I'm witnessing for the Lord to Jesus. Number two, baptism is a sign of cleansing. It is a sign of spiritual cleansing. It is, I like to call it, a holy bath in the Holy Spirit. Holy water in that moment. Whole, it is a holy bath in the Holy Spirit. It is a sign of the instant bath you received when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and confessed your sin. You were instantly clean. The Lord did not come to you and start with one little area of spiritual dirt. And we'll get the rest later. Now, some of those things get latched, and they have all kinds of tentacles and things and the, uh, that God will set you free of, but the stain and the blight of sin and the, the, um, the dirtiness of sin that is on our lives. The Bible teaches when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are forgiven of those things and we're cleansed. And the instantaneous nature of that is important. We used to camp, actually, at the place where I was baptized, uh, my friends and I used to camp at this beautiful pond, and uh, what we would do, our habit is that we would have a campfire, and then we would load ourselves in bug spray. This was a summertime thing, never did it in the winter. Load ourselves in bug spray so that we would not get eaten alive down there in the woods, and then we would just stay out fishing and all of this until night and around the campfire and uh, God kept us from kept us alive and uh, prevented certain things that could have happened, uh, dangers that we were there, a bunch of teenagers camping out. And the thing is, is I always remember this experience of getting up in the morning and just like, ah, oh, grease, bug spray matted in my hair, just like slime, ash, and like fish slime and stuff all from sleeping 
in your sleeping bag after a night like that. And how many of you have had that camping experience? I don't know about the fish slime thing, but that was very important for our camping experience. We'd, we'd fish until we just couldn't. We're in the boat, just kind of, oh, it's 3 a.m. And, um, and I loved the first thing in the morning, before breakfast, before anything else. We'd get out in our bathing suits, and we would run down the dock and dive into the water at the end of the dock, get out, pull out our shampoo and soap, and suds ourselves completely like a just a white foam, you know, looked like some Christmas thing or something standing there. And then as soon as we were sudsed, we would race down and see who would be the first to dive in. And there's an unforgettable moment. You never have a shower or a bath like this unless you do this. You dive off that dock, you hit that water, and instantaneously you're totally clean. It's a great view. You get out, back out, and all the grease, all the goop is gone, and you have a new day. And in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you believed on the Lord, all of the grime of hell and sin and darkness was washed off of you. And baptism is a water experience, and it is a sign as you go under that water and get totally immersed instantly by water, you're going to be soaked. I promise you. I can promise you that. You'll be soaked. It's a sign of the Lord's instant cleansing and soaking of his forgiveness to clean you and make you pure in the sight of God. Isn't that good? Isn't the Lord good? Number three, baptism is a symbol of new birth. It is a symbol of the new birth you have in the Lord. It is a vivid and beautiful picture, a very, a very deep and meaningful picture of the experience of being born. What happened when you were born out of your mother's womb? You came out of water, out of the, out of the water in your mother's womb. And when you rise out of the waters of baptism, it's a beautiful picture of being born into a new life. You were born in the flesh out of the, the waters of your mother's womb. And by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, you are born of the Spirit and coming out of the water is a sign of that beautiful birth that God has given you. Isn't that a wonderful picture? Jesus talked about this in John 3, 5. He talks about how you were first born of water uh, uh, in the flesh, and you must be born of the Spirit. And here is the connection. John 3, 5. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. And he emphasizes being born being born of a woman, being born of water, the water of the womb is not enough. You must be born of the Spirit, which baptism beautifully pictures. Number four, baptism is a reenactment. It's a reenactment that you follow through in a sacred way, reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ applied to your life. You're not just reenacting for some kind of show, but you are in a sacred way reenacting the death going down and buried under the water, death and burial, and the resurrection coming up alive out of those suffocating waters. What the Lord Jesus Christ did in his tomb and resurrection and how it has been applied to your life.
Romans 6, 3 to 5. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And when you come up out of that water, it is a sign, it is a proclamation that you are going to rise out of your spiritual death in Christ into a new life. And one day you will rise out of the grave in resurrection power in your resurrection body. It is powerful. So how does God deal in, in light of that? What does God do with my sin nature? Does he just kind of, you know, um, um, slow it down a little? How is God wanting to work in my sin, sin nature? Tell it to be quiet? No. Baptism reminds us that God drowns my sin nature. Going under that water, God is killing off the power and control, the dictatorship of my sin nature before Jesus that was in charge of my life, that had, wasn't just in charge, that makes it sound like I was willingly doing that, but that had a control over my life. Baptism under that water holds a picture of that moment that the Lord, when I was saved, drowned the power and the dictatorship of sin over my life. That's encouraging to me. The dictator is dead. Number five, a command. Jesus and his apostles and, and his apostles commanded that believers be baptized. When we read the scriptures in the New Testament, we find that this is numerous times an important part of the instruction from both Jesus and his apostles. And here's a couple scriptures. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And as we follow the Lord's command today, to, for some of you to be baptized and the leaders in this community following the Lord's command to take part in leading you in that, we can be assured of the reality of Jesus' statement there. As always, but in a special way, I am with you always. And the Lord is present here today in this time of baptism. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, here's one of the apostles, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, number six, baptism is a rite of initiation. What am I saying? Baptism is the rite of initiation for entering into the supernatural family of Jesus. It is the thing you do that says to the rest of the family of God, I am all in with you in this family. I belong to my eternal family. I may come from a bloodline and a blood family, but I have another family that I am joining, and it is an everlasting family. 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is the way we begin entrance into the family. Okay, an important question. Who should be baptized? Should everybody this morning get baptized? Today? <laughs> should we all? Two categories. Those who have not yet been baptized since making a personal decision to follow Jesus. We call it believer's baptism. Since you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have not been baptized in water, today is your day. This is for you. This is not just, we didn't just do this just to have Bible teaching today. Imagine if all this teaching and we said, okay, see you later when, when I'm done. Oh, this is for you if you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you have not followed through and been obedient to the Lord in baptism. Perhaps you were christened or sprinkled as a baby or a toddler. I would not be one to say that there wasn't any value in that because your parents were dedicating you to the Lord if you were sprinkled or baptized. But at that point, it is very unlikely as a baby or toddler that you had a discipleship conversation with them about what that meant. And what I'm saying is that that was your parents' decision for you, not your decision as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so believer's baptism has to do with your commitment to the Lord Jesus that you follow through with. Number two, those who believe, the second category of who should be baptized, those who believe an earlier baptism was done without a true commitment to follow Jesus. So if you made a, a commitment to the Lord and you were baptized and you had a time of backsliding, hear me for a moment, you had a time of backsliding and you're now you're coming back to the Lord, you do not need a rebaptism. Did you catch me on that? If you're coming back in this season of your life, I bet many of you as you come into Elam, that was true for me, coming to Elam was a time of rededication to the Lord and coming back to obedience to the Lord, if that is you and you have been baptized, you do not need a rebaptism. But if you identify your baptism, an earlier baptism, as not being connected to a true commitment to the Lord, we want to invite you today to say, this time, this is the real thing, and my commitment is true to the Lord. Some of you may be asking, what if I'm not prepared? But what if I'm not totally prepared today? I need to be baptized, but I don't know if I'm ready. And you may be thinking, you know, uh, one, of your, the, one of the excuses that sometimes we get with is, I, I need to think more about this and just process and understand the truth in all of the depth and the beautiful things that you're saying today. I need to meditate on this for at least like a few months or something, or a few hours. You know, maybe tonight, if you could just keep... Mm -mm. Baptism is not something you think about. Baptism is something that you do in obedience to the Lord. As long as you have the understanding of what it is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be thinking, but my family isn't here today. I, might, I want my family to be able to see this moment and not miss out. There are some expert, appointed photographers, raise your hands, and videographers today who are going to be taking video and pictures of you, and you will receive that file, and you can tell the whole world 
on social media, not just your parents. You can blast the earth with your baptism. Talk about witnessing for Jesus. Post. Put exclamation points and emojis and smiling and clapping hands. And my kids tell me I use the wrong emojis sometimes, but you just put in there whatever you want. (laughs) Tell the world with video and pictures, and some of the pictures are going to be beautiful, wonderful pictures of you. So don't let that stop you. One more excuse that you may be thinking, I'm not prepared today. I don't have the items that I need. I need a towel. I need something to cover for modesty, clothing, and where am I going to put my phone in my wallet? By the way, for those of you that are going to be baptized, take your phone out of your pocket, and you'll hear that again. We probably should say that like four times. We have t-shirts. Look over there. Towels. Look at that pile of towels. We're ready. And baskets for you to put your, anything that is in your pockets probably should go in there. Okay. Acts twenty-two fourteen 14 to 16. Saul had met the Lord on the road. Saul, who later became Paul met the Lord on the road to Damascus, and he was blinded by the brilliant appearance of the Lord, the manifestation of the Spirit of God. Remember that? He was blinded. He was like literally knocked down and temporarily blinded. And to get him started in a life of faith, did you know that even the Apostle Paul needed to start at the beginning and start following the Lord with the foundational steps of coming to know God and who Jesus is and being baptized in water and being filled with the Spirit. And at the starting point of the mighty Apostle Paul's ministry, we have these words when he was a brand new believer. Ananias comes to him and says this, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. He had a mighty call. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. And I want to ask you the same thing that Ananias asked Saul, who became Paul. This morning, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away. Now is the time for you.